Welcome to Irvine, California, where it's easy to play like pros. At the heart of Irvine's competitive culture is Great Park, the region's premier 194-acre multi-sport complex, equipped for youth teams to Olympians and everything in between. Plus, Great Park's expansion is underway. With near-perfect weather and a thriving sports scene, Irvine is the place to play. Visit DestinationIrvine.com for more information. Well, yesterday we launched a new revamped sportsbusinessjournal.com. Today we launch another new product, SBJ iFactor. Our interview with our award winners of 40 Under 40 and Game Changers and New Voices Under 30, that series launches today with an interview and conversation with Kager CEO Jessica Gelman. This is your morning buzzcast for Tuesday, February 23rd. Good morning. I'm Abe Madcor. Hope everybody's doing well. We have a special guest this morning on the buzzcast. I'm joined by my colleague, John Aran, up bright and early this morning because John had some breaking news last night related to the NFL media rights deal and specifically their negotiations with ESPN. John, what are you hearing? What's the latest? Well, Abe, the NFL negotiations were going swimmingly. They are almost done with uh, CBS and NBC. Fox is a little bit further off, but we, we found out last week that they uh, the negotiations with Disney's hit a stalemate and the difference in price between what ESPN wants and what the NFL wants, at least from their initial offers, was $1 billion a year, which is an, just a breathtaking number. Wow. And it's really caused a lot of people within Disney to, to, to say, you know, do we really at that price? Do we really need the NFL? Which I, you know, we've been doing this for a long time together, decades. Abe, this is the first time that I've really ever quite heard that come out of Disney the, the way that has happened. John, let's look at that because right now ESPN currently pays two billion dollars a year. So you're saying that NFL wants how much per year? So the NFL said that they wanted a, about a seventy-five percent increase, which is a significantly lower increase than the other uh, networks are paying. A 75% increase would take them up to about $3.5 billion a year, which is a breathtaking number. Wow. The NFL also will look and say, the last time that we did a deal with you, Disney, you paid about a 75% increase. This is right in line with what they've done before. So that's why the NFL came with that. Disney came back and they only wanted about a 20% increase. That 20% increase would have taken them up to about $2.4 billion. ESPN and Disney said that you know they wanted to get more parity with the other networks, and they, they didn't think that they should be paying so much more for, for rights than they were. And a lot of the reasons they were paying more for rights, Abe, it was for uh, highlight rights, and they said those have been commoditized now. Uh, the, you, know, the, you can see highlight rights almost in instantaneously on Twitter, on your cell phone. There's there's not the same kind of value for highlight rights today that there was in, tw in 2011. And they thought that, yeah, they'll, they still should pay an increase, but certainly not at the levels that the NFL was expecting. So a couple of things to follow up here on, John, because one, you're saying that negotiations with CBS and NBC appear to be further along. Fox, you said, is not that far along, but you don't think there are some significant sticking points that would imperil that deal. But for Disney and ESPN, there's a lot of things at play here. Remember, they have a new CEO, Bob Chapek, who, if you read the Wall Street Journal over the weekend, you see that he's very focused on the bottom line. 
in addition, they probably think they could take some of that savings, John, either put it towards other sports properties. We know that there's some other rights fees coming up or maybe increase shareholder value. We've heard some people worry about the shareholder concerns around sports rights really dragging down the value of ESPN. Yeah, let's not get ahead of our skis here, uh, Abe. I, I, everybody I talk to thinks that they're going to end up coming to a deal and that uh, that we are just providing a window into the negotiations to do it, a one a $1 billion a year window, but still a, a window. And the thing about J- Bob Chapek is he's very bottom line oriented. But if you read that Wall Street uh, Journal story, they weren't talking about sports specifically, but some, a, a comment that just stuck out to me was that he's less beholden to the past. Bob Iger was at Disney when they lost the NFL. He didn't want that to happen again. He saw that as a big failure for his career. That's not the way that Bob Chapek views uh, the NFL and and the value of NFL programming for any of his networks. So we're sitting here February 23rd. Lay out the next few weeks and what do you expect to happen? Uh, I expect there to be a flurry of negotiations. I expect all of a sudden there's going to be a couple of stories about how maybe Amazon is interested in Monday Night Football or maybe Turner might be kicking the tires or some other network. And I expect that Disney and the NFL will get a deal done. And I expect that deal will have a two in front of it and not a three. Got it. Good stuff, John. Stay with me as we continue on the Buzzcast this morning, would you please? Absolutely. Great. So moving on to some other news, baseball, we hit on it yesterday on the Buzzcast. Kevin Mather resigned as Mariners president and CEO late yesterday following controversial comments he made at a recent speaking appearance at a Rotary Club. Mariners managing partner John Stanton will serve as acting president and CEO. It is clear that Stanton and other board members were blindsided by Mather's comments. Remember, Mather criticized players. He said the team would not be promoting its best minor league prospects on opening day. That really is manipulating service time. All of this had to be music to the union's ears. John, you and I talk a lot about the relationships in baseball. An instance like this, where you see a team president who's been with the franchise for 25 years. He's been in his current role since November of 2017. One, he knows better, but two, but if you're the union, again, you are using this for fodder for your players and in your negotiations with the league. Abe, we've talked about this uh, before already. The relationship between Major League Baseball and its players union is worse than any other relationship between a league and a a players union in sports. And this is certainly going to take that awful relationship and make it much worse. In addition, John, they will now look for a replacement for Kevin Mather immediately. Again, John Stanton will serve as acting president and CEO. In addition, this organization in Seattle has a lot of work to do because there's not a lot of local goodwill for the Mariners. Remember, this team has not made the playoffs since 2001. That's the longest drought in Major League Baseball. Let's move on to some NBA news. John Aran, they're allowing fans back in venues in New York starting tonight. Roughly 2,000 Knicks fans will be at the Garden for their game against the Warriors. The Brooklyn Nets tonight will host only 300 fans for their game against the Kings at Barclays Center. The first time either one of these organizations will have fans in their building in more than 300 days. One interesting note, John, about the Nets. They are, of course, requiring fans to produce a negative COVID test, but the Nets are providing testing for the fans and including it in their ticket price. The owners are certainly uh, thrilled about this, as, as, as you can only expect. 
But television network executives also are, are really, really happy about this. We watched the Australian Open. It was so much better with a cheering crowd. It's a better television when you have a cheering crowd and you get cutaways to the crowd. And, and as, a, as a viewer, you, you go and get into the game. And I, I know the television network executives think that ratings are going to rebound once fans get back into the stands. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. In addition, John, the state of New Jersey will allow 10% indoor capacity at sporting events starting on March 1st. So we're starting to see baby steps of more and more venues allowing fans. In the UK, John, it was announced that starting in mid-May, up to 10,000 fans will be allowed into venues. That means fans will be allowed to attend Wimbledon and the Open Championship. So again, 10,000 fans, 25% of capacity. Now for Wimbledon, John, that usually has 42,000 fans on the venue per day. But hey, they will take up to 10,000 fans. And as someone who lived in London for a number of years, John, you know the pent-up demand there will be for fans to get out and go to sporting events. Absolutely. I can't wait to see the, the soccer chance uh, in, in the Premier League games when those get started up again, Abe. Let's end Buzzcast on a couple of quick things, John. First, we've talked about how EA Sports is bringing back its college football video game franchise. But interestingly, yesterday, Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Schwarbrick said that Notre Dame will not be part of this game until rules on name, image, and likeness have been sorted out. So he basically pulled the reins on Notre Dame being part of this game. Does that surprise you? It didn't really surprise me, and I'm just waiting to see whether there's a domino effect or not. Is Notre Dame really a leader in college athletics, or are they or are they doing this on their own? And it should be noted that EA is working with Learfield IMG College CLC's unit on the game. Notre Dame is not a client of that. I'm not saying that was a reason. Swarbrick did say that they want to get more clarity on name, image, and likeness before moving forward. And John, we'll end with this. We always end the buzzcast with news about people. You reported yesterday that top ESPN storytelling and journalism executive Allison Overholt is leaving ESPN for Oprah Winfrey and Hearst Magazines. Yeah, she is such a well-respected uh, executive over at ESPN. Uh, the thing that I always notice when I do a story like this is how many current ESPNers sang her praises as she's walking out the door. You don't always see that, and uh, you, you, you certainly saw it yesterday. She's going over, she's working now with Oprah, and she's going to build up a new brand over, over with Oprah, where she's going to be able to flex her storytelling muscles again. Well, remember, she was a member of SBJ's 2015 Game Changers class, and she was editor-in-chief of ESPNW and ESPN, the magazine. So, John, it was great to have you on the Morning Buzzcast. Let's do this again, huh? Yeah, I feel like a celebrity, Abe. Thanks for having me on, man. Well, I know it's an early morning for you, but again, that's our Morning Buzzcast for Tuesday, February 23rd. Again, we appreciate your patience and with our new website and getting used to it. Thanks for all your positive feedback yesterday. In addition, look for SBJ iFactor on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. Our first episode drops today. I'm Abe Madcore. Stay safe, stay healthy, be good to each other, and John and I will hopefully talk to you again tomorrow. Welcome to Irvine, California, where it's easy to play like pros. At the heart of Irvine's competitive culture is Great Park, the region's premier 194-acre multi-sport complex, equipped for youth teams to Olympians and everything in between. Plus, Great Park's expansion is underway. With near-perfect weather and a thriving sports scene, Irvine is the place to play. 
Visit DestinationIrvine.com for more information.